Here we go. Welcome to the Transform with Travel podcast, where we share stories of personal transformation and life lessons through our experiences of traveling and exploring the world. Travel is the ultimate accelerator for personal growth, and it can be the root catalyst for the pivots and plot twists we make in our lives. I'm your host, Kelly Tolliday, and it's my mission to inspire you to live life to its fullest, travel with an open mind and heart, and let the world show you a new perspective. I'm so grateful you're here with us today, so let's dive right in. Happy exploring. Welcome to the Transform with Travel podcast. I have Darren Jonathan here with me from all the way over in Australia, and I am so excited to be having this conversation with him today. Darren is a dual citizen and an expat who made the decision to move to Australia more than 12 years ago, and he started the blog and Instagram Average Joe Down Under to help other expats down under or those wanting to make the move to be able to create a community who could learn from his experiences. And we were just talking backstage about how I could have really benefited from a resource like this eight years ago when I moved back. Wait, yeah, eight years ago now. Wow, crazy. Nine years ago. Whoa. Nine years ago, actually, when I moved back, when I moved to Australia. So it actually would have been so helpful for me to have a resource like this. You talk about visas, you talk about places to live, you talk about places to find jobs. And I just think it's so amazing. So welcome. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your story today. Oh, thank you very much. I I think, thankfully, we connected and I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Yeah, like Instagram actually did its job and connected yeah. like-minded people <laughs> instead of just sending For you absolute <laughs> trash. <laughs> yeah. So I would love to start. What brought you to Australia? Just start with your journey about your, you know, love affair with Australia and how you wanted to move there. Yeah, well, I suppose it's very different to most people that move here in the sense that I it's very similar to most people at the very beginning where I came as a working holiday visa holder, like you I think as well yes yep you you come and you do the whole travel thing I came in 2010 did the whole you know went to uni didn't know what to do with my life let's go experience Australia in 2010 so midway through 2010 I kind of had a like a what I refer to as like a little epiphany or a kind of or as some people like to say a breakdown I just didn't know where to go in my life and I felt very lost and I think that led to the epiphany which I still call it that and then realized what I wanted to do with my life which was be an educator and I thought that the best place for me to do that was at home which is originally from Northern Ireland if you can't tell Mm. from the accent (laughs) and so obviously you know leaving your home country and coming to a new city and all was totally terrifying so I kind of made the decision then in 2010 to move back and then that led to you know the financial crisis that was happening at the time there was so many other factors which then drew me back again in 2012 to actually study as an international student, which, you know, I think there's only a couple hundred thousand people who are international students at the time. So like, I know obviously over the years it's grown and, you know, with COVID has dipped again, but you Mm. know, at that time I didn't really know a lot of international students. There wasn't a big community, especially from Ireland or the UK really. So it was a bit of a change. (laughs) Very, very different. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's how I end up sort of being here at the very beginning. And then that started from 2012. I've been here ever since. Obviously, things have happened throughout that whole time that has led me to where I am now to to really put this blog and this, this Instagram and share my experiences from 
these last 13 years, really. Yeah, amazing. And when, so you said you're from Northern Ireland, which is awesome. I, we went to Belfast last uh, summer with my oh, daughter, my, our 20 month daughter. So we did the oh. hop on, hop off bus and like went all around. <laughs> but from what I gather from the history and just talking to a lot of the, the people who have lived there, and we have friends who are from Belfast as well. And it's from like emerging from, you know, the, all of the crisis that was going on for so many years, it seems to have been what, what what I'm hearing from friends is that it's relatively isolated and that it's very, you know, not trusting of a, the community is not very trusting of other, other cultures or other ways of being. And yeah. so I don't know if that's something that you experienced. Uh, how was that for you going from such a, maybe the, the, maybe it's not the right word, but coming from such an isolated community, moving over to Australia, which is so many different diverse cultures and so many different types of people all living in one space. What was that like for you? The, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said isolated. Like I felt isolated just because of the nature of Northern Ireland itself. We were pretty closed off from the world itself. Luckily, I was from a family who loved to travel. So we used to go to the States quite often, travel Europe. Luckily, that was my outlet, was like travel. Travel was my escape from from reality. Things, you could, you could list all the stuff that happened in your childhood, like, you know, going to school and getting told that you, there's a bomb in the school and having to leave. There's so many things that happened when growing up, but they weren't as bad as what had previously happened in the 70s, 80s, you know. Being in school in the 90s and the early 2000s, it was still relatively secluded from the outside world. People who came, like I had friends who would ask, do you get shot when you go outside your house? Just stuff that people don't really understand that happen on a daily basis that never really, like over the years has changed and evolved and people have moved on. But, you know, there's still that sort of, it was felt very isolated and wasn't really accepting of other cultures. They've got better, <laughs> as with, with most um, countries. But going from there, so, you know, not living anywhere overseas and then having to go to a, a country that's totally different was a huge change. It was like night and day, you know, like going from like nearly 100% white culture, you know, with mm. very little multiculturalism to a, a country which embraces multiculturalism and like has suburbs full of like as you know like italian food like thai food and like chinese like people have their own culture and bring their food and their culture with them was completely foreign so that just led to a few years of confusion and you know homesickness and a bunch of other feelings that i suppose are i what you call culture shock <laughs> when you when you when you look into the psychology of it so yeah very different and so when you first came over to australia not first came over but when you first kind of did your first stint in australia your first work on the working holiday visa what was that like in terms of how did australia get its hook inside of you like what what did you fall in love with in terms of your first time really living over here over there that's yeah that's a really good question because i feel like i think the people just having diverse friends and having a mindset that wasn't the same as what I was used to, but also the weather, like you can't deny the weather and the beaches are unreal, like unparalleled to most places in the world. You know, like you've got the whitest sand apparently in the world down the South coast, mm -hmm. like three hour drive, things that you just can never put into words. Sometimes walking past the opera house and just like seeing that for the first time and then going, well, we don't have any of that at Belfast, you know? Um, and I think just everything seems lovely when it has the sunshine. 
um, and has the weather. I think people gravitate towards that because there's just so much positivity when there's sunshine and it's just a natural human effect. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And it's, I remember when I was living in Sydney and I think we had like three or four weeks straight of rain and everyone was like, what is this feeling I'm feeling? Am I, am I feeling sad? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I was like, the rest of the world lives with this all the time. <laughs> we just have a lot yeah. of sun here. <laughs> yeah. That's, and yeah, that's and right. I, I'm from Florida and it's also beautiful weather, but it rains a lot. And it's just, Sydney is just so what it used to be. It was so dry and, and not a lot of rain. I know that the climate's changing a little bit down there too, mm. but with, so when you, you did your working holiday visa and you decided, okay, I want to make this work somehow. I'm going to come back to study. Was that hard to, t- to break that news to your family that you were going to move back over there? What was kind of the general conversation happening in your own internal community at that time? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm very lucky. My family have always been super supportive. And, you know, luckily we come from, you know, we like to travel a little bit. We like to be out and about and see the world. So I don't think it was like kind of hard to do that. But I feel like going back there the second time there was a lot more emotions because it was more permanent than just working holiday because mm. at least I knew I was going for one to two years and obviously when you're a student international student it's expensive and there's not a lot of money so it wasn't as if like I was potentially coming home for a long time or multiple times per year um, and that led to probably some not fights, but I suppose strained relationships because you're on edge and you're feeling homesick and you don't know how Mm -hmm. to process it. So you kind of take it out on those people that you love. But obviously they were super supportive and like, you know, even when you go through hard times, you know, you still got them saying like, you know, you can do this, you can do this, which was probably the biggest factor why I have stayed so long because in my head, I've never really accepted the fact that, you know, I'm here for good, (laughs) which I think a lot of expats do. Yeah, I, I can I can agree to that. I think it's it, like you said, just even walking past the opera house, you're like, wait, I'm here. I'm living mm. here. I'm <laughs> this is my life. And so it's amazing that your family was so supportive. I asked that question because that is such a big factor of why a lot of people don't take those leaps or don't move to the country they want to move to or start a new chapter in their life is because family or friends or just the general, you know, Mm -hmm. talk about town is sometimes less supportive than what you would want. It in your experience of now having had so many conversations with expats and really been a leader in this space, especially in Sydney, what would you say as a piece of advice for somebody who is kind of butting up against that unsupportive or negative feedback from their communities at home? Yeah, I was actually going to give you an example of that that's ha- happened recently. I feel like people come to me and say, oh, by the way, I really want to move, but my family's not supportive or my partner's not supportive. I really don't have any support from family. Will I be alone in Sydney? I don't want to go from having friends to no friends. And those are my support network. Look, for me, for me personally, if I don't do something, I will always have that regret. I have to do it. It will never leave me until I actually do it. And then I mm. said to myself, like, was it worth it? You know, I obviously have to weigh up the the positives and negatives. When it comes to family, it really depends on individual situations. I always say you never know what where your life's going to take you, who you're going to meet, what's coming next if you don't take the risk. And you never grow as a person if you're always in your comfort zone because the risks and the the rewards always in the uncomfortable. And like I think I've learned that over the years. Like if I've never taken this step, would I be 
financially independent? No. Would I still be a slave to my 40-year-old mortgage at home? Yes. And would I still be with the same friends that, you know, right now probably would have, but when I'm sitting here talking to you today, probably 10 of them have dropped off my life since those 13 years, you know, were they actually really friends? Like there's so many things can change your life. Like, and I probably wouldn't be where I was today if it wasn't just to take that one risk of saying, I'm going to go. And you don't know who you meet, like your, your future friends, your partner, whatever could be in another country or you know, I, I do sympathize with people who want to leave, but their partner doesn't because that is a hard situation. Mm-hmm. But I always feel like you can always do temporary and give it a go. And then if it doesn't work out, you can always move back. You know, you can always keep things open ended, which I think a lot of people are doing now, especially after COVID. A lot of people have been saying to me, oh, I'm we're coming for a year to test it out to see if we even like it because my partner's not too sure. And I think it's an individual conversation, but I think if you don't have the conversation, you'll never know. So I say even have even have the conversation and then come to a decision as a family. Or if you're solo, just I say just do it. <laughs> That's my yeah. just do it. A hundred percent. This episode is sponsored by Rising Nature Retreats. Are you feeling called to explore the world, tick off your bucket list, and make lifelong friends along the way? Are you overwhelmed from planning the logistics of your trips or sick of feeling like you need a vacation from your vacation when you return home? Rising Nature Retreats offers world-class travel experiences infused with daily yoga and wellness, personal development workshops, unique adventure and cultural excursions, and holistic local cuisines. Experience the world as you elevate your wellness. Return home feeling rejuvenated and empowered to bring what you learn about other cultures and about yourself back home with you. This is the adventure you've been waiting for. Join us in 2024 to explore Thailand, Portugal, or Greece. Visit risingnatureretreats.com or at risingnatureretreats on Instagram and Facebook for all the brochures and information on upcoming international retreats and local classes and events in South Florida. I, and what you had just said, mentioned at the end there is, is that, that it's nothing is permanent. You can always decide this didn't work out for me and I can go home because home will always be there. And so if home is always going to be there, then why not just try and make it a three month test or a year long test? I, my husband and I, we decided to teach English in Thailand and we did it for two or three months and we decided this is not what we thought it was going to be. And we quit and we went traveling for a whole nother year and that's okay. Like you're allowed to change your mind. You're allowed to pivot. And I think that's what COVID did offer a lot of people was a, mm. that time of reevaluating the time of a lot of companies and a lot of travel policies are now really flexible. So I do think that had a big factor in that as well. Yeah. Actually on that point, I feel like people with, especially after COVID have become a lot more open to the uncomfortable situation because they've been in the uncomfortable of being stuck. And a lot of people have realized that I've met people recently, actually last night, who are nearly 40, who have always been stuck in the same thing for the last 20 years, the same job, the same friends, the same life. And they've got to a point where they're like that hit that, like what they, they're telling me is a midlife crisis. And they've, they've just moved here it was a couple of weeks ago and just saying like, we can't believe that we didn't do this 10 years ago, you know, and I'm, I feel like they maybe have some sort of regret not doing it. I feel like, you know, you never want to live to the point where you're like, why did I, what if, like, what if that, what, what if I changed my life? Like, 
you can always make it not permanent. You can always move back. So there's always other, and I feel like people need to know there's always a way. There's always a way. Yeah, yeah, there's there's always a way, in. and and with resources like yours, <laughs> it does yeah. make it feel like okay, I'm not alone. Somebody else has walked this path because honestly, as as an expat, as someone who I came over on a working holiday visa first, I did that for a year. We left to go teach English, and then we came back, and then I got sponsored through my job with a four five seven visa, and then we were going through the process of maybe looking at a partner visa, and it is just so overwhelming to be like, all right. What, where do I need to start? What visa uh, works for me? There's 10 different websites telling me 10 different things. I don't know where to find an apartment, like all these different things. And you're just like, this is so overwhelming. I don't know. I don't even know where to start. So having someone like yourself being able to say, hey, there's a community of expats. There's a community of people who want to move abroad, who want to move to Australia. These are the resources that I can provide to you. And just really sharing your own experiences and your own mistakes along the way to help somebody so I really appreciate that as some like my my past self would have <laughs> really, really loved that resource. Yeah, and so thank you. you mentioned in your story that you kind of went through a little bit of that homesickness and there was a little bit of, you know, that, that period where you realized, okay, wait, I'm here for the long haul. And then you really, you started to kind of be aware of missing home. And so I can definitely relate to that because mm. th- there always there's there's that initial joy of like wow I did it I'm here this is amazing and then you make a million friends and then you realize wait I don't need all these friends I might have been rushing that too fast this friendship's not going to work for me and then you're kind of sitting alone being like shoot what do I don't know if this is right and I don't know that was my experience so I'd love for you to kind of talk a little bit if if you if you would like to a little bit about that homesickness period for you because I think being honest about that as part of the process as an expat so that somebody doesn't jump the gun and move home too early because they are going through that phase. I I feel again, that's exactly the experience of most expats and especially me, you know, you get so lonely at certain times, especially when you go through homesickness. I had never experienced what homesickness was ever in my life. Obviously Mm. when you're living and you're comfortable, you never have it. So whenever I sort of started to experience it, I thought it was like, maybe anxiety or something like mental health wise obviously in the end when I did therapy I realized that it's a mixture of a few things like anxiety mild depression loneliness all those things sort of come up because your demons come out your past traumas come out when you're uncomfortable and I think a lot of people are expats aren't ready for that but anyway when I was going through this journey of homesickness anyway it's it was probably it started probably after uni, so probably by 2013, and lasted up until before COVID. And I think the reason it stopped was because I accepted that I couldn't change the situation and always going to have two homes. And it doesn't matter which one I live in, I can live in both and still be unhappy. I need to choose to be happy. And I think also therapy really helped, <laughs> obviously. But I think during those times, like I just... I uncontrollable crying for 45 minutes, something that's not your, like I did not feel like I was myself at all. Mm. You know, things I couldn't explain, like my brain was playing tricks on me. I was so lonely at certain times having these really strong feelings of crying and then really upset. I would go walk the city and just be like, I need to make friends, you know? And then when I started to meet people, I was like, I don't even like these people, but I just need to be, have connection. And then that, then maybe can, like some people will send them down a dark path of 
doing stuff that they usually wouldn't do as they're in their own personalities um, because mm. they got the freedom of not being at home in their comfortable situation and it can lead to some what we've seen as some devastating effects I did the same thing I was probably socializing drinking far too much like just not that's not like I've never drank that much in my life you know and I think the culture and the people you're with really dictate how you end up acting and it just wasn't me and I feel like then as you know you kind of go therapy or you start to work things out for yourself you realize these people or your life needs to change in certain aspects and therefore hence I was able to change some of those things thank the lord (laughs) but yeah it's definitely not easy for expats because when you're dealing with homesickness, it can manifest in multiple different ways. You know, as I said, anxiety, depression, loneliness. But again, I feel like you segregate yourself from people when you're going through those hard times when you should be doing the opposite. And I think it's about recognizing when you're at that point where you need to like stop it. Otherwise, you end up go home too early and you could have made much more of the experience. Yeah, no, I I, I relate to that so much. And I do think... It's not necessarily a Sydney problem, but there is such mm. a there is such a like a nightlife drinking culture <laughs> in, yeah. in Australia. So I'm, it is really easy to get wrapped up. in. I worked in media for a few years, and if you know anything about the media industry, is in Sydney and New York. No matter where you are, there's a, there's a lot of that that can happen. So, like you said, it can manifest in a lot of different ways. It could be really it, it could be really detrimental to not just your mental health, but also your physical health. If you don't have people looking out for you. And I was going to say, like, if you're experiencing homesickness and you're drinking, like uncontrollably drinking, like every day, because that's the culture here is to like go out for drinks with people after work, Mm -hmm. as you would know, like Friday, Saturday, Sundays, you know, Sunday day drinking, like if your mental health is bad, drinking will just add another layer of problems to yourself because you're not dealing with actual problems. You're escaping them. And I think you know, that's another conversation for another time, but it just adds another layer of problem to your life. It could be drinking, it could be gambling, it could be, you know, going out and meeting people like, you know, randomly hook up. Like there's so many things that it can lead to because you're so lonely and you're desperate for connection. And as expats, that's a really hard way to balance because you can either go either or, (laughs) you know, you really have to find your tribe. Yeah. And it's like finding that balance. Like you said, when you are feeling those feelings of homesickness and that could spiral into anxiety or depression, the natural tendency is to isolate or the natural tendency is to just rush out and connect with anyone. And oftentimes we're trying to just fill a void within us using substances or alcohol or other people. And so we say, I say all of this, not to scare anyone off from this process. (laughs) It's just to say like, there is like it's almost like a five stage, a five step process to finally landing and feeling like this is my home and being going through that homesickness, or at least just appreciating a part of having people around you and appreciating your family or appreciating your home country. It's a part of the process for you to be able to move into the next stage of acceptance or, or whatever it is. But, but yeah, I, I do appreciate you sharing that because I think a lot of times people don't want to be uncomfortable and, and people don't talk they, about it. Exactly. 
Exactly. And people don't want to feel that uncomfortable feeling. And so as soon as they feel that homesickness, it's like, oh, no, I'm going to just book my ticket and go home. And it's like, wait, 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 this is part of the process. This is you don't just move overseas and the problems or the mental health or anything that was happening at home doesn't just go away. Now you have to deal with it in this new country. Yeah. <laughs> and and luckily, there are a lot of groups. There are a lot of professional support. There's a lot of community groups for expats, especially in Sydney. G'day, mates from the land down under. Just kidding. I'm right here in South Florida enjoying a true blue Aussie coffee, pastry, and meat pie at my absolute favorite cafe here in South Florida, Bites and Coffee. That's B-Y-T-E and coffee located in Lighthouse Point. Bite and Coffee is owned and managed by the absolute best couple from down under, Dan and Kat, who moved to South Florida from Melbourne, Australia with the dream of bringing the incredible Aussie cafe culture to the States. As someone who's lived in Australia for five years, I surely do miss my Aussie flat white coffee, brekkie buns, and sausage rolls. But what I miss more is the sense of community when you step inside your favorite cafe. You know that feeling when you walk in and they already know your order and it's ready to go? Yeah, that kind of feeling. Bite & Coffee brings the good vibes, delicious food and coffee, and the true sense of family. I can bring my little girls for breakfast and know that they are welcomed. If you're living in South Florida or just visiting and passing by, I highly recommend heading over to Bite & Coffee and grabbing a coffee with your breakfast or lunch, or even checking out their incredible wine and beer selection with a delicious charcuterie board at night. It's the perfect spot for a catch up with a friend or a business meeting. As a special gift to listeners, when you order at Byte, be sure to mention Transform with Travel for 10% off your order. So go ahead and check it out. Byte and Coffee located in Lighthouse Point. So speaking of community groups, have you found that that you've trended towards the Irish community in Sydney, which is really strong? Or have you found that you've kind of stayed away because that's what you've known your whole life? What, What does that look like? I think, to be honest, at the start, I was really anti going to any sort of group because I came from such a small-minded, narrow sort of way of looking at things. I didn't really want to come back to that. Like I had left that home, and I did not want to make those friends right here in Sydney and live through them about like all the stuff back home because I just wanted to separate myself and actually meet real people that were going through similar things that I was going through, no matter where they're from. As the years have gone on and the more I've matured, I've sort of taken an approach where I don't care who it is now, I'll, as long as they're nice people and they're doing good in the world, I'll be friends with you, I will you know, connect with you. I'd rather connect with people who are the same mindset as me, no matter if you're Irish or you're from Greece or wherever you're from, you know. But I still feel like people still go into those little groups and I, even today, like a lot of groups that are set up are towards like Irish people or British people or, you know, Americans, they all have their own groups. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just natural. It's a natural comfort zone. And at the beginning, I didn't really want to get involved with all that. I just wanted to see the world and experience the actual true Australia rather than go down to Coogee and live there and never leave. But over the years, I've mellowed and I feel like, to be honest, it probably isn't that bad thing. I probably was probably more like, let's not go down that road. And then now I'm like, ah, well, you know, it's nice to have those communities because it makes people feel safe and wanted and helps them on their journey because they're experiencing the same type of experience. I remember when when I first moved there, I was like, I'm 
the American expat group. No, thank you. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. And then later no, down thanks. the track, it's like you said, you like mature in, or you just mm-hmm. settle into the whatever stage of the process of being an expat <laughs> is. And you're like, wait, I, as long as you're cool and you're a nice person and you like to go hiking, I like to go hiking. Let's go. I don't care if, where you're from. Yeah. And so you mentioned a part of this process of you maturing into your your journey as an expat. And you've spoken about your landing there and being homesick. And then kind of now you're at this stage. Can you talk a little bit of what it's like now? Like after 12 years of being an expat, what does it feel like? And and what's your what's your life like now after being so rooted there? Yeah, I still feel obviously like anybody does whenever they go here. I suppose like it's a home. It does feel like home. But again, in my head, I think that part of the acceptance phase at the end of this whole journey was like, it doesn't matter where I am, I still have two homes and I will always have two homes no matter where I live. But I I guess the journey has taught me so many things along the way, like there's been ups and downs and I could tell you how many times I've been in hospital and like you just, there's so many things that can happen in your life. But as long as you have those good supportive people along with the ride, I think it makes a lot it makes it a better experience. I think as I've matured, Sydney feels more like a home and it's got to the point where I like, I mean, I could live here for a long, long term and retire at home, or I could go the other way, go home and then retire here. Like there's no set boundaries anymore. Whereas before I, in my head, Mm -hmm. I had them set and this is home and I cannot think of this, you know, I think as you mature, you kind of get rid of those boundaries and you go with the flow. Uh, whatever feels right in the moment. I always believe whatever's for you will never pass you by. And I think anything that's come into my life or anything I go to do, it was was meant for me because that was the way it was meant to be because it wouldn't have come into my life and it wouldn't have, if I hadn't have gravitated to it, I wouldn't have wanted to do it. Now I see being an expat as a good thing. Before I found it really difficult, obviously, because you know you go through all those emotions. But I didn't have any information, and I think that's why it led me to right now where I'm putting out all this content on Instagram and the blog, and I put out a new ultimate guide to move to Australia, you know, just because I just felt like anytime I talked to people over the years, they had no clue where to go, or they had some clue, but they didn't know exactly where to look. And I feel like now I'm trying to think like, well, I need to use that to help more people because I would hate to be in the same situation that I was no idea where to meet people because we didn't have the technology back then either. You know, there was no meetup apps. There was no whatever. Uh, Now there is all these things. There's all these groups on Instagram and shout out to Lost and Find in Sydney, um, Melbourne and Perth because they have been instrumental in helping me settle more, especially as I've got to this new stage of being an expat where I'm a bit more comfortable in my skin a bit more comfortable in being here, you know, cause it always is uncomfortable as an expat because you're, you're forced from, well, sometimes you're forced, but you know, you go to like a place and you're forced to get all these like new things. And sometimes it's a bit uncomfortable, you know, and it's not mm-hmm. always, it's not always what you want, but it's what you've chosen. And I think there's like a couple of different things in there that you have to work out for yourself. But I have to say, though, I do love being an expat, and I wouldn't have, I couldn't have changed my life without without being here. And I think hindsight is always twenty twenty. Like now, I'm thinking, I'm so glad I made this choice to be here. Completely changed my life, and in such a good way. But maybe like five, six years ago, or whatever, like oh, like what have I done? You know, right? But right. now, looking bad, a more mature lens on the on the glasses, I'm like, wow. If I hadn't have done that, I wouldn't have 
been where I am. Yeah. And it's just such props to you for taking that leap and then pushing through or na- not maybe so much pushing, but navigating through those yeah, challenging times and, and, <laughs> good word. and seeking, seeking your tribe of people. And so you mentioned that you created the ultimate guide to moving to Australia. Did I say that right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a new ebook, right? Can you explain yeah. a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So I, I wanted to create a few different resources that would help people navigate how to get here easily because I felt like a lot of my problems at the beginning were all because there was no information out there. There was no groups. There was no information of being expat. There was no, how do I get a job? How do I do tax file number? You know, you all had to just figure it out yourself. And uh, over the years, obviously listening to people's complaints, listening to people's um, views and things, I thought, well, why not create something myself, which was like super comprehensive between travel, working holiday. The book contains everything. It's like 250 pages. It's like, Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. It took months to do, but it's just a resource from anybody from working holiday visa, how to get jobs, skilled work, how to do a lot of the stuff yourself, because a lot of people out there go pay me to do it. And I'm like, mate, you can do that for free. So I'm telling people, this is where you go for free. I give you the stuff of where and how to do it yourself so that you don't have to pay people to do it. But then I also throw in information, you know, travel tips, how to save money, how to make more money. I just go through everything. And there's just so much in the book that I you know, it's hard to put into words. Oh, I'm so excited. I, yeah. I like just want I just want to read it just for my past <laughs> self and be like, wow, yeah. how amazing. So I'll definitely link uh, in the show notes to that. Oh, I think it's going to be such it's, it's such an amazing resource. And so since you've you, you've based yourself in Sydney for the most part for the last 12 years, have you traveled around to other parts of Australia? Where, where else has have you fallen in love with around the country? Yeah. Look, over the years, I've loved different states. I think that's, you know, yourself. Whenever you go traveling, you start, you, you said you've been all over the place, like traveling with your husband and you really gravitate towards places that I think in certain times of your life, when I was younger, I would have said, oh, I love Melbourne, you know, and then I'm like, the weather. Now I'm like, oh, Queensland. But I traveled to Perth in Western Australia last October. And I just want to shout out that thank you to Fly Like Rye on Instagram, who uh, has been teaching me how to use points, like Flickering Flyer points. Because, oh, I mean, I cool. wish I had done this years ago, but just recently have got into it again. And I think I went to Perth for about 250 Australian, which is about 800 and 900 regular fr- flight price. Was able to travel there and enjoy a week's holiday. And it was just unreal unreal i couldn't put it into words because it was like you know there's so many things to see and do that the beaches were amazing there was a shipwreck on the beach like in a residential street like it just it just it was amazing and i think every you know every parts of the uh, of the process i suppose over the last 13 12 years there's been places where i've liked more but that's my top one at the moment in in and around perth that's your favorite yeah. right now yeah, yeah i think so I, we we went to we went all all the way through WA and Western oh, Australia wow. for like three weeks, and we based ourselves around Perth, and then just did trips all around. And if when we go back to visit family in Sydney, we're going to spend a couple of days in Sydney, and then be like, we're heading out to Perth. You guys can come visit us because yeah. <laughs> it's just so amazing. It's so underrated. It's so underrated. Did you did you ever get to Rottnest Island? Yeah, we did Rottnest. Oh, uh, yeah, that was amazing. I just stayed there. But we for didn't. Two- we didn't stay. I was going to say you stayed there. Oh, mm, cool. Do it. Even if the weather's good, you will have an amazing time. It's just, it was, the waters are like, 
clear crystal blue the island's walkable you know you can cycle if you want like it's just it's it's unreal yeah, that sounds amazing. Because when we we went for a day trip, and there was all these little families in the little cottages mm. around the island, yeah. and I was like, one day we're we'll come back here with kids one mm. day because it just seemed like a like a summer camp on steroids. <laughs> it was, yeah, <laughs> it was so good. That's awesome, amazing. So yeah, I always love asking because people always think Australia and they think Sydney and they think Great Barrier Reef, and I always try to say there's so many amazing places. There's Byron Bay and Yamba, there's Burley Heads and Noosa and You've been to more than me. <laughs> the, but the South Coast, the South Coast of Sydney, uh, uh, South Coast of New South Wales yeah. is stunning. It's just stunning. It's so it's there's so much to see in this country and it's so diverse and the 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 geography, the animals, the people, there's just so much to learn from yeah. that I just think you could you could spend your whole life and not even scratch the surface. So I, yeah, it's like the animals are either really cute and cuddly or they're like really dangerous. It's like Yeah, and the and the really dangerous ones you can't ever see. They're like this one yeah. will kill you in 2 minutes and but but you will you won't see Never it. Never see it. No. <laughs> You're like great, thanks. Yeah. Cuz I was thinking I'm going to see spiders here for like all the time everywhere these huge like the size of my hand spiders and I think I've maybe seen three in 13 years I feel like people even even when I'm going different states and going through hikes you really don't see that many I feel people kind of like hype it up like you could die that's why I would never go I'm like you could die in your own country come on yeah you need to go out there and see it yeah you know? I mean that's that's what people say a lot about you know the US, a lot of Americans are like that that XYZ place is very dangerous. And I'm like, mm. we're we live near Miami. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. We're in Florida like- right now. Do you know what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's it's like you said, it's like those going way back to the beginning of the conversation, it's sometimes other people's fears about the outside world or other people's uncomfortable zones there, like when they don't get outside of their comfort zone. I saw a a, a graphic today actually that showed three rings and the first little ring was comfort zone. And then the next ring out was the fear zone. And then the next ring out was amplified and it said the growth zone. And so you truly don't grow or be able to see what that next level of your life or that next level of who you can be if you don't take that step out of your comfort zone into an unfamiliar, fearful place potentially. And then from that place you grow. And it sounds like to me what you were saying earlier is your life has just blossomed exponentially because of a risk that you take took stepping out of your comfort zone. Yeah. And I mean, those years really change you. Like as, as you just said, it amplifies your life. I feel, I I don't know, this is a word that I probably use sometimes is self-actualization is like reaching your full potential. And I feel like I'm always motivated and striving to reach that peak of my life and mm. all these things, those hard times and everything, those you have to have resilience and grit to get there, but they have pushed me to get closer to that point. And the only way to get to that point is being uncomfortable. You cannot get there without being with, with being comfortable. There's no, there's no way. Like if you look at all the research and stuff like that, a lot of the people who reach those self-actualization, like those top CEOs, have all experienced bankruptcy or some hard times in their life. They've grown up poor or with no money and like have been on welfare. A lot of those people have all had struggle to get there. And that's where I feel like I have to reach. There's all this internal motivation to get there. And I feel like as expats, you're you're on that, that course to get there if you push yourself out there, you know, and that's the... That's the pinnacle of why I guess I'm doing what I'm doing now is because I feel like you need to help as many people get there as possible because the more people that are 
able to fully reach their potential, the more people they can help, the more people that they can give give back to. And that's the whole reason why we, we, I guess you're doing what you're doing and I'm doing what I'm doing. We all want to help people push themselves further than they've ever gone before. Yeah, we always say on, on our retreats that we're, lovingly encouraging people to find their edge and and yeah. find their growth point. And I just appreciate you doing your work <laughs> and, and encouraging say, people. Retreat, <laughs> that retreat in Costa Rica looked amazing, by the way. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, you're it. coming to the next one. <laughs> yeah, I wish. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, of course. And so, yeah, I'm just, I'm excited for people to connect with you. And as soon as I get questions a lot about Australia, just traveling there or moving there, and I'll definitely point them in your direction. So I appreciate it so much. Yeah. And so I finish all these episodes with rapid fire questions related to travel. So (laughs) we'll see, we'll see what comes up. All right. So number one is if you could only go back to one country or place in the world, where would it be and why? And I think I'm going to have to ask you to take Australia off the list because it's your home. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, uh, I would say Philippines. Oh, cool. Because it was probably the most outrageous holiday ever. It was just so much fun and it was cheap. It was the people were lovely and there's so much to see and do. And I don't think I even reached the surface and I would love to go back. Philippines is kind of like Greece. I haven't been to the Philippines, so I'm just assuming, mm-hmm. but it's kind of like Greece where you could travel there for your entire life and still not yeah. see every island and every place. It's just so much to do. So that's yeah. definitely on my list for sure. And so, so number two is what's next on your bucket list? Oh, okay. South America. I think I want to do South America or Greece because I those are the, like Greece is obviously closer to home, like the other home, <laughs> but South America is what I want to do next, if I can. Cool. So then <laughs> number three is, what's the biggest life lesson you've learned through traveling? Ooh, always to follow your heart. And also, you always know what's right for you at the, at the moment that you really 100% need it. Mm, go mm. with your gut. I love that. Yeah. And then the last one, number four, is what piece of advice would you give to to a beginner traveler or someone who just really wants to get out of their comfort zone, get out of their hometown, what would you tell them? Start off with something that you're looking forward to or is on a list to, to achieve. Because I feel like once you achieve something, you can see the benefits of that, even if it's going to the next state or going overseas. Because a lot of people, you know, I think there was like a lot of statistics of people have who haven't been even overseas yet. Even in America, they have just, they haven't even been to the next state. You know, why not go to the next state? Why not go to another country and then see, you know, how you like it? Or maybe it's a bucket list, you know, tick something off and then you'll feel that sense of reward and that sense of accomplishment. And then maybe that'll lead to something, going something even more bigger in the next the next time you go. Yeah, it's like building confidence, like mm. baby steps in some way. I really like that. And especially solo travel can be very confronting if you're by yourself. I mm. have only recently done solo travel because a lot of people shy away from solo travel, but I think it's the best thing I ever did because you no time limit. There, people aren't telling you where to go and what to do. I actually find it so much more freeing when I went and did solo travel. Yeah, that that's mm. solo travel isn't really something that I've delved a lot into because when I really started traveling, I was with a group 
through college and then I met my husband. And so we've yeah. just been traveling together ever since. Yeah. But when I do get my little glimpses on the business trips and stuff like that, I'm like, oh, I can choose mm, I what can I this. want and what I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you. Thank you so, so much for sharing your time with us and for continuing to share all the resources. I'd love for you to be able to connect with our community. So please let us know how we can connect with you online, where they can find all your resources. Yeah, sure. So you can connect with me on Instagram, Average Joe Down Under. Pretty simple. So obviously, Average Joe is basically, I thought I was average when I came here. And yeah, don't feel so average anymore. But you can also Google that and Average Joe Down Under, and you'll find my website, which is actually a bit different. It's darrenjonathan.com. And then you can find all the blogs. The podcast is also on there, Average Joe Down Under. And yeah, you can find everything you need in those three resources. Incredible. And so the podcast, you're interviewing expats, right? Yeah. So it's a bit about expats, also like expat stories, and maybe throwing in there some like tips and tricks about being here, along with how to move here and whether you're teaching your physio or what, what whatever career, you know, those kind of expats have. And we'll focus on those as well. Yeah, that's super cool. Because then that gives like further social proof that it's possible there's other people doing mm. it and that there's, you know, getting to hear different stories, I think helps people as well. Yeah, for sure. And I think lived experiences always tells you there's proof in the pudding. You can do it no matter if you come from nothing or whether you came here and you didn't have a job for three months, how you can do it. Yeah, there's so many. Yeah. So many stories out there. Amazing. Well, thank you thank so, you. so, so much. I appreciate your time and we will speak soon. I'm sure. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Transform with Travel podcast. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode of inspiration, adventure, and exploration. If you felt inspired by this episode, please rate and review in whatever streaming app you're listening from. This allows us to spread the word even more and continue to serve up weekly doses of adventure. As always, we'd love if you could share the episode with someone in your life who you think will benefit from this conversation. Thanks so much for listening. This is your reminder to get out there and keep on exploring.